Is this working? Yep. Great. All right. So, get started. Hello and welcome to. <laughs> already, already screwed it up. Oh my God. <laughs> Welcome to Truths Universally Acknowledged, a courtship recap podcast. Here we're going to be talking about NBC's new reality dating show, The Courtship, and bringing our own sort of interests and expertise to bear on it. Um, So I'm Molly Curran. And I'm Emma Soberano. And And we we are, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) sorry, Molly. Um, We are two literature grad students at the University of Michigan. Um, And I think we we both have sort of vested interest in this, the idea of this show for for sort of some overlapping and some different reasons. So Emma, do you want to talk about sort of why you're into it, what your your, um, background is? (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I study 19th century British literature, um, 19th century being kind of the long 19th century. So really everything from the end of the 18th century um, through uh, the very beginning of the 20th century. Um, and obviously the Regency period is part of that um, being the first uh, you know, little bit of the the 19th century. Um, I study race, empire, and ecology <laughs> um, in the 19th century. So there's just a little bit of overlap there, but I'm really interested, especially after um, kind of Bridgerton came out and there were all these conversations about kind of race in Bridgerton. I um, I got really interested in talking about kind of what making choices and changes to um, representations of race in the 19th century and the Regency period kind of does for our popular understanding of that time. Awesome. Uh, Molly, how about <laughs> you? Yeah, so basically I'm coming at this a little bit from a um, literary studies sort of perspective. Um, but, and, and just a general, I would say fan of say Jane Austen, um, but also from the perspective of someone who both reads a ton of collects, um, I guess also studies romance novels, um, and sort of the popular romance narrative and structure that we as a society have kind of built and I'm a huge fan of romance novels. I've read so many. Um, and I love historical romance novels in particular. So I also was very interested when Bridgerton came out. I actually hadn't read those books before the show was made and read them in anticipation of it. And and think that the way that um, Bridgerton, is, whatever you might say about it, I think it's kind of changed the game a little bit um, in terms of how we're how we will think about historical romance kind of forever (laughs) um which i think is great i think it's opened up a lot of possibilities and in a similar way i think this dating show may may be opening up some new possibilities as well um i'm also really intrigued by the fact that they refer to the 
lead of the show as the heroine um yeah they don't they don't call her you know well i mean they're not gonna call her the bachelorette but you know they, <laughs> they don't call her the whatever um they call her the heroine and i think that that really indicates the way that they are really thinking of this as a kind of literary or cinematic love story or that's what they're hoping to produce so it'll be yeah. interesting to see how much that actually aligns as yes. the season goes on <laughs> definitely I mean I'm just thinking about it as a kind of constructed narrative we were talking really briefly before we started recording about um how the show opens like the first thing that you hear is the heroine um Miss Remy saying uh, something like oh, I can't believe this. It's like a Jane Austen movie. And I thought that was hilarious um, in part because, right, we have Jane Austen movie as an adaptation of Jane Austen's books. Um, and she, she does say Jane Austen novel several times. But I also think it's like more accurate, right? Like this isn't actually trying to be a Jane Austen novel. It's trying to be a Jane Austen adaptation almost or an adaptation of the adaptation so there are several steps removed in how we actually see the Regency and our how it's making use of our popular imagination of the Regency so yeah. I think that's really fun I think um in in some ways like its closest analog feels like Austin land have you seen Austin land oh I haven't but I remember in like the early aughts, there were all of these movies coming out about everyone's love for Jane Austen. So this was a little later, and it's basically a movie about a woman who's obsessed with Jane Austen, um, obsessed with Pride and Prejudice specifically. And I think it is very, um, we can talk about this later, but like, I think it is interesting that like Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen gets sort of reduced to Pride and Prejudice <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but so it's a, a woman who's obsessed with Pride and Prejudice and she pays all this money to go have this like grand regency experience mm. um, at a place called Austin Land, um, where she gets to go to England and dress up in regency era clothing. And there are like actors who like interact with her and do storylines. Um, and the the whole thing is sort of a it, it also plays on a lot of the things that the show plays on in terms of like. Uh, funny juxtapositions of the contemporary and the historical um so I think it's actually like a pretty like this is sort of like if if Austin Land were a dating show yeah I love that I also I mean I'm thinking about what this show is trying to be and also kind of what we are doing um with this podcast and one of the things that we've talked about right is that we don't want to kind of just be saying like, oh, this is inaccurate and like leaving it at that because that's not fun. That's like, I mean, part of the point, right, is that like we want this to be fun. <laughs> yeah. And I think like saying this isn't historically accurate is like, well, duh, of course it's not. And the show is yeah. <laughs> also highly aware that it's not historically accurate. You said it opens with this, that. with her <laughs> saying like it's a Jane Austen movie, but actually the first thing it opens with is a... um Oh, yeah, adapted quote, quote from, from Pride yes. and Prejudice right mm -hmm. that's you know um that our podcast is also named after which mm -hmm. is like uh, it is truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife 
Um, only in this case, I can't remember exactly how it went, but it was basically like a single woman must be in want of a house like full must of- go off to uh, <laughs> pretend Regency England to be courted by a house full of 16 men or whatever. Right, right. So like, you know, they know they're not doing Jane Austen. They're doing Jane Austen parody or Jane Austen pastiche or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> would be more pastiche than parody i mean there is a lot of humor as we see like the host makes all these jokes like Mm -hmm. about regency england um about kind of like the 19th century in general um but the the thing that i think they're doing is less parodying it and more um taking our ideas of what the 19th century was and like what really the specific like all of our ideas of what the night not all but many of our ideas of what the 19th century and specifically the regency period were come out of this upper class aristocratic version Mm -hmm. of the regency right and Mm -hmm. so they're playing into like how we think of that one particular period they say like oh it's the most romantic time and so they're really kind of selectively reimagining how the Regency has kind of risen in our popular imagination. Yeah. So let's take a, <laughs> take a step back and maybe we can um, just go over what the premise of the show is so that yeah. we're all on the same page. Um, yes. What is the courtship? Um, in case you are for some reason listening without having watched this uh new show from NBC. The Courtship is um, being described by a lot of people as uh, The Bachelor crossed with Bridgerton. So the premise is that this uh, one woman, Miss Nicole Remy, um, is transported kind of back in time and across the across the pond um, to a estate in the countryside Um, of England where she will be courted by 16 eligible young suitors from across the world. Um, Most of them are American but we have a few people from other places um, including Britain Um, and really the kind of reasoning behind this or at least the stated reasoning is that she says that modern dating has not worked for her and I think this is kind of a common sentiment um, that modern dating especially what with all the apps um, that dating on apps is hard and I know so hard we can both speak to this right Um, but I think it's interesting right that the solution to this is ah yes let us go back to the beginning of the 19th century <laughs> uh yeah britain had not gotten rid of slavery yet um when women were viewed as the property of their husbands um and when really this version as we discussed earlier of uh of the regency was only accessible to a very small portion of families, specifically those who um, were aristocratic and had influence in parliament. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it, we'll talk in a minute, I think, about sort of like why the Regency. Um, but I do want to note in an interview that she gave before the show started, one of the things that um, should we call her Nicole or should we call her Miss Remy? <laughs> 
I think we should call her Miss Remy and the suitors Mr. Last Name so-and-so? because that's how, yeah, Mr. So and so, because <laughs> how they're referring to them. Um, it's Remy. Um, in an interview, she basically said that um, part of what appealed to her about this format was that it would give her more. Um, it was basically like it, it would give her a chance to see how these men like how these men interpreted the idea of chivalry how they define what treating a woman with respect is um so there is that irony of like <laughs> that's not like the time period you think of when it's like sort of treating a woman with respect but i think the the um part of the idea right and we'll talk about this as we talk about what happens in the show is it is about getting away from the incredibly sort of like looks focused swipe focused um Mm -hmm. even just sort of sex focused world of dating that i think we consider the norm now um and i think in many ways this show is even setting itself up in opposite not just as a rival to but like really in opposition in some ways to the bachelorette or the Mm -hmm. bachelor by um putting such a premium on these ideas like um, etiquette and um, uh, proper behavior and addressing people in these particular ways and um, paying respect in these particular ways um, mm-hmm. and not, you know, being in the hot tub and not <laughs> not like getting wasted for the first day. Um, so I think there, there is something kind of interesting happening there. Um, yeah. I think the, the other innovation of this show, which I think is a really exciting one, is that Miss Remy also has what they're calling her court, uh, mm-hmm. which is her parents, Mr. and Mrs. Remy, her sister, Mrs. Baker, and her friend, Miss Cleary. Um, and they are all there to help her decide, help her her talk through what's going on, and also to sort of help they, they make some choices as well. But I think yeah. it's delightful getting them and letting her have confidants who aren't just the host of the show, which was basically yes. what like Bachelor oh Bachelorette has always been. Which is so weird. And this is something that like people who talk about and think about and recap the Bachelor franchise have brought up, especially as right Chris Harrison has like been uh, kind of no longer a part of the franchise and we had you know uh we've had different co-hosts um and it's weird right that like (laughs) these young people in their 20s are like ah yeah it's totally natural to talk to chris harrison this dude like in his 40s 50s now I don't know his face is ageless (laughs) like um it's so weird that they're like oh yeah I'm going to talk to him about my feelings rather than like their friends or their parents and like often parents really are like in in the world of the bachelor franchise parents are kind of these weird like end gatekeepers Mm -hmm. right where they don't meet the parents until the last couple episodes but then they're still expected to like ask for permission from the parents or like ask for their blessing or whatever and here I think it just has this very different conception of how family functions which I mean is something that 
yeah, was a part of Regency romance. Um, And when I say romance, I mean like Regency courting, really, because Mm -hmm. Regency courting, unlike what we see in a show like Bridgerton, really was about more about uh, advancing family connections than anything, right? There was the ton, but the ton was kind of a very circumscribed group of of families and within that right you were still trying to make a love uh rather than like a love match most of the time folks were actually marrying for influence and for money um and so yeah you know we have this idea that um love matches were becoming more prevalent in the 19th century and that's true but there very much was still this expectation that you marry for connection, that uh, you marry to carry on the family line, which is something that one of the suitors, um, who was it? I think it was uh, Mr. Ward said something about how he wants to carry on his family line. <laughs> and that was like very, very Regency to me. I was like, oh, you are here for the right reason, <laughs> for lack of a better better term. Um, but yeah, uh, I think here is really interesting, and that's an interesting innovation. Yeah, that is super interesting. Um, I guess I'm also just thinking, sorry, this is like me thinking about premise again and thinking about yeah. um, sort of, I, I mean, I, sort of inevitably car- comparing this to The Bachelorette. Um mm-hmm because it's it is very similar I saw somebody describe it as a bachelorette clone which I think is not fair but I think that obviously it's it's in the bachelorette model in some ways Mm -hmm. um so I think it also is worth noting that for their very first lead that of this show that they chose they chose a black woman um I think that's important for a lot of reasons um I also diverse cast of suitors too and the cast of suitors is much more diverse than a typical season of either the bachelor or bachelorette um so i think that has to do somewhat with the nostalgia factor the romanticizing of history it feels less icky if um, you can sort of put diverse faces on it but i also think it to me it also is trying to make a clear statement of like being different from the bachelor or the bachelorette because those shows have now had black leads but it took them i mean 15 years or something mm-hmm. to get there and the courtship is yeah. like no we're opening out the gate like we want a black lead we want to like we want her to be like a princess we want her family to be here you know and mm-hmm. have them all dressed up in these great clothes and to I don't know just I, I feel like it, it felt like it was something a little bit different mm-hmm. in a way just to have that aspect of race um without having to do this like big congratulatory like we finally got our first black lead (laughs) yeah and I mean I think something else that's important also to note is that both of her parents are black and Mm -hmm. that's something that like I mean I I don't remember Rachel Lindsay's family very well but I do like the most recent black leads on The Bachelor and Bachelorette have both been biracial. And I mean, I'm biracial, (laughs) Um, but I think it's also important, right, to have that, right, that we're talking about not just like a black lead, but a black family. Yeah. And 
possibility for um, the final couple to both be Black or to be a biracial couple. And that's not something that they're like, yeah, like you said, patting themselves on the back for. I also do think it's kind of important that we are getting this version of history where it's like, it's for everyone, right? It's not just like white people who can be kind of nostalgic for this form of dating or courtship or chivalry or whatnot, right? Um, Obviously, as I mentioned, this was not a great time for people of color um, and especially Black people in the British Empire. But I think it's important to know that the idea of uh, kind of modern day dating and dating apps is especially hard for people of color and for Black women especially. There have been studies that have shown that Black women are often the most kind of overlooked demographic on dating apps. Um, And obviously here we have this gorgeous woman. Her whole family is so beautiful. (laughs) Um, Her friend is gorgeous. Her sister's gorgeous. Like part of me kind of thinks that they had them both on there so that if any of the dudes hit on either of them, they will be like, bye-bye <laughs> yeah I had the same thought I'm like yeah bring your gorgeous sister and your gorgeous friend so that the yeah you can see how the dudes interact with other attractive women yeah exactly but basically I mean the idea that these that this woman this black woman doesn't really mesh well with the dating app world and that these men many of whom are black some of whom are asian we have one i think afro latino guy um that and i mean i'm making assumptions here for some of them but um people who traditionally have a harder time on dating apps that they also want to kind of make this return to uh a kind of different obviously it's not the like oh we're meeting someone organically (laughs) but this this kind of world of different values from um from that that we see on dating apps like you were talking about earlier with the kind of superficiality and what miss remy says about like oh yeah you just get like picked up on this app um and I think that that's really important to recognize too and also to recognize that a lot of people of color have these values that I mean to be quite honest are kind of conservative right of like you know traditional family values and chivalry (laughs) um especially because ideas of chivalry have kind of been co-opted by white supremacist organizations yeah historically like going back to the kkk um oh absolutely I was, I I was just writing. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to agree and just basically say like, and I think that's also why the idea of um, a black woman at the center who is able to be the, um, the princess type, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who is able to, who men are chivalrous toward, toward her. Um, like black women haven't gotten to be in that role very often um Mm -hmm. and it's certainly in in pop culture like I think that the idea of black women as I mean in many ways like a desirable um high class status 
uh, like someone who will give you status, someone who will be attractive, like basically this person who I don't, I'm trying to say is a prize, like in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, is a, is, a, is a prize. Like black women haven't been framed that way by pop culture um, and culture yeah. generally, like very often. Um, and I think like the Regency veneer just kind of adds to that in a way mm-hmm. that um, makes you all the more aware of how rare what you're seeing is. Well, I think it's interesting that you're bringing up this idea of like, you know, the the heroine here um, being kind of a prize because this goes to ideas of like, yeah, we're kind of juggling this weird, like, obviously, a lot of the time dating shows play into these like regressive heteronormative ideas of romance. And when you're going when you're like valorizing the Regency period, that's going to happen too. Um, But at the same time, like there is still something um, refreshing about being like, ah, yes, we will give equal access (laughs) to this uh, regressive standard of uh, objectification. (laughs) Um, Everyone's allowed to have fantasies that aren't like 100% progressive. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think that's actually really true. Like I genuinely think Mm -hmm. like, are 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 things that we find romantic and fantasize about like we can't on an individual basis expect every person just because of their position in in society to have like the most radical stance (laughs) Um, and I think we just have to allow like Mm -hmm. you know sometimes a woman wants to feel like a princess yeah definitely well that also kind of brings us to a question that I have for you Molly you study and generally love popular romance so why is it that the Regency has such a hold on this genre so that's a really good question and I have some theories um some of which are just kind of logistical so I think Jane Austen is one of the reasons like I genuinely just think Jane Austen um wrote some of the sort of first romance novels um whether you necessarily see them that way but I think um the kinds of love plots you see in Jane in Jane Austen novels are um taken up again and again whether in sort of a looser form or sometimes quite literally I mean the amount of Pride and Prejudice retellings that exist (laughs) and some of them are great and some of them aren't and it's fine um but I think that there is this just draw to Jane Austen um as this figure of I don't know as just being somebody who told love stories that we still sort of like just really are into and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that people mostly only know Pride and Prejudice, but... That's true. Um, um, and also, maybe like, the female gaze, right? Like, mm. there are these courtship stories often that are told, you know, from, like, by this very witty woman, right? Mm-hmm. So one question I do have for you is, and I know this is going to be, like, super technical, but yeah. for anyone who doesn't know, how do you define a romance novel um okay so this isn't super technical because it's actually quite easy there are two 
main rules. A romance novel is a book that has a narrative that is the primary narrative is about the relationship between the romantic relationship between previously two, but now sort of (laughs) however many people. And the second rule is it has a happy ending. It has to have a happy ending. The ending has to, the, the, the romance has to come to a satisfying conclusion. No tragic Mm -hmm. deaths, like, (laughs) you know, no last minute breakups um they they have to end up together um Mm -hmm. and that I mean that's really it so like a romance novel can be so many things um I think we have this idea of what a romance novel looks like and a lot of times that idea is very specifically a historical romance novel and often a regency romance novel our idea of romance novels if you were like the popular cultural idea of someone's picturing it, they're going to say something about like Fabio, you know, <laughs> which by the way, Fabio hasn't been on a cover since like 1992. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's this idea of these like heaving bosoms and these big dresses and these shirtless men with long hair. Um, which we're already seeing like coming into trailers here. Yes. <laughs> the model with the long blonde hair yeah. oh my gosh our suitor uh <laughs> mr Papa. uh yeah so i think that is um that version which i think we're, we've been talking about right it's like it's not the regency as it happened and it's not even jane austen's regency which is like mm-hmm. pretty tame it's oh yeah the romance but regency not- that we're seeing um, <laughs> yes yes Starkey, and there's like there's actually really intense stuff happening yeah, but quite a lot uh, of drama within Jane yeah. Austen um I mean I have strong feelings about how like Pride and Prejudice is like so much darker than people give it credit oh, for yeah seriously <laughs> um, um so yeah I think I think right like the the thing we're seeing with this show the thing we're seeing with Bridgerton the thing we're seeing with romance generally is this very um sexy very uh exciting version of regency which i think is like both kind of true in some ways like people were having sex in the regency era Mm -hmm. people were cursing you know people weren't always prim and proper and having duels (laughs) yeah like these things were actually happening but you know some of the ways that we frame them or some of the ways that I think that behavior is maybe accepted more in um romance novels is maybe a little less accurate um though I'm not a historian I don't have have a strong sense of regency history I'm I'm a little better with Victorian I think because I researched Victorian a little bit but um one thing that might be useful Emma is if you just explain like what is the regency era (laughs) Okay, yeah. So um, the Regency really is kind of this brief period of time um, at the end of the um, 18th and beginning of the 19th century, uh, centuries really, um, when England was ruled by a regent um, because uh, the king had a lot of health and mental health problems. Um, And this period was um, really, and I think this does play into why we see it as a really important time for romance, um, it was marked by a lot of decadence. 
Um, really? Yeah. I actually really thought, really okay, I definitely thought um, it was the op. Like, I thought there was sort of a move away from from decadence following sort of the French Revolution and like Georgian. Because in terms of fashion, the decadence really went way down. Yeah, it was marked by decadence. The French Revolution really um, took place like right at the turn and really didn't have a huge effect on the levels of decadence until um, the beginning of the 19th century. But for example, you know that the ball scene, like the, the kind of one of the opening scenes in Bridgerton where all of the young ladies are presented to Queen mm. Charlotte. Um, so that actually um, is uh real based on a real historical happening um that was called queen charlotte's ball um and it started in i believe 1780 um when king george so charlotte's husband who eventually you know had a lot of health problems including with his mental health um he also like part of the thing with decadence is he like collected like a menagerie of animals <laughs> he threw lavish balls it was like really over the top um but he decided to throw um his wife queen charlotte um a birthday bash um and all of the young ladies came um to be presented um so they basically came up one by one to kind of curtsy to the queen and then it became a tradition um, and became kind of part of the um, marriage market really. Mm -hmm. um, the reason that this happened and that we have the marriage market is actually for like political reasons. So during the season um, which was the kind of marriage market season when courtship was happening in London um, that was the time each year when members of parliament, MPs, were required to be in London um, in order to be in parliament. <laughs> um, and so they, they, there were some rules that were enacted requiring them to actually be there in person so they didn't like their duties. And so they would bring their whole family and it became this time when because all of the families were there, it was a good time to... Um, you know, look around for your eldest daughter, eldest son's partner. Um, and part of the start of the season would be this ball for Queen Charlotte's birthday. And that actually, the, the ball continued um, well into the 20th century. Um, oh, wow. I think the last one was in like 1976 or something like that. You know that. what? I think I knew that because I think there's an episode of Downton Abbey where um, me. a character is like, you know, presented to the queen. Yeah. Um, I think the reason that they ended it was for optics. It just like did not look good <laughs> um, to have this like very small group of people being like presented to the queen and like there's rising class consciousness yeah um not a great not a great look um and so they decided to stop that tradition at a certain point but like so that that's really kind of where the idea of the regency period as this like very romantic mm -hmm. marriage market kind of thing came from um but like mentioned earlier 
all of those alliances were still kind of like economic alliances and political alliances and alliances to kind of continue the family name and uh, to keep wealth within the family because you might be a member of the aristocracy, but uh, you could have gambled away like your entire fortune and you really need some cash <laughs> to like to keep uh, not just like have your title, but like to actually be able to continue living that lifestyle. Right. And so, I mean, my understanding is also like into the 19th century is when you really start seeing um, the the sort of lords who were once able to kind of make their living through um, basically just by being lords <laughs> and through farming or whatever, um, that was no longer possible. So they had these like yeah. extremely expensive estates that they could not afford to run. So that's when mm-hmm. you start getting that. Um, and again, I'm basing a lot of this in like romance novels where you get a lot of like marriage of convenience that then <laughs> turns to love. But, you know, it's like, a lot of, yeah, you know, and yeah. it's, it's a lot of like having to marry for money because you have to maintain, I mean, it's both about maintaining your lifestyle, but also about like this piece of property that you can't get rid mm-hmm. of because you're not allowed yeah. legally to sell it. <laughs> And yeah and the people who all of the work there and who work on that property and whose live livelihoods depend on it um yeah it's really this the 19th century is like this very interesting moment of transition um and so it does kind of have this hold right um on our imagination in some ways for that reason um i think what's interesting to note right is that as you gave us the kind of definition of a romance that it has to have like a happy ending or a happy for now um that really like that wasn't the case right in the regency period so um women who you know ended up in these marriages of convenience if you were in a bad marriage you were fucked (laughs) um (laughs) I don't know if we just we didn't really discuss whether we could cuss on here. I or think not, it's but, fine. Oh, no. um, we are, as you said, we're two grad students. Yeah. <laughs> Divorce was not easy, like easy to come by. Extremely um, hard to procure, especially for women. Mm-hmm. Like men were allowed to divorce their wives for a variety of reasons. Um, wives could not, like women, could not achieve or cannot procure a divorce um, except under like very specific circumstances, including if their lives were in danger. And even then, not really then. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's really kind of like a rose colored glasses version of history. Obviously we've discussed this already, but I do think that that's important to note that like, and I do think like part of the the romantic appeal is to some degree the constraint. Um, you know, I think not necessarily the idea of you're stuck with this person who treats you horribly forever, but I think the idea of you have to operate within these rules and you have to you you can't just sort of date casually. You can't just uh, make out with anybody you come across or like have hookups or whatever. Like you have to commit um and commitment is like a real intense lasting thing and i think like of course people romanticize that when we live in this 
society that I think, you know, it's, you know, with, with hookups and ghosting and okay, I sound like an old, you know, an old person <laughs> talking about, oh, the ghosting, but you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, I see people talk about, um, and I know, like, I don't think anybody really means it. I don't think anyone's like, I literally want to go back to <laughs> 1806. Um, but I think this show, The Courtship, right, is a fun way for people to explore what what that means like what what that fantasy is um giving them what is it what is it helping them access maybe in a way that is more um i guess maybe it's more obvious than like a romance novel that is like literally set in the historical period um yeah well i mean i think that part of the appeal and this goes to what you're talking about part of the appeal is the stakes right um so the the stakes of you know uh making a mistake or of um you know having to make this commitment um or of transgressing these boundaries right that are like very i mean that's the other thing right this the other part of the appeal and the other part of like why the regency uh, really lives on is because there were these very strict rules um, and so the appeal of transgressing those things um, the appeal of transgressing those boundaries is that there are stakes to that which I think the courtship doesn't really have those stakes in a way and that's something that's kind of interesting yeah. is that like yeah, we have come to this this world of of Regency romance, but we are missing what makes it fundamentally Regency romance, <laughs> right? Um, uh, and I think, yeah, Gus, like what happens when there aren't those stakes or how the show kind of tries to play with those. So um, let's take a break and we'll get when we come back, we'll do a little bit of a recap um, and talk about this show more specifically and what happened in this week's premiere. All right. Welcome back. We've so far been talking about the appeal of of the regency era um or our sort of romanticized version of it but like let's let's get down to brass tacks and talk about the show um which had its premiere last night um and the first episode was called first impressions so much fun oh my gosh (laughs) yeah so just like overall feelings like we can start with there which is i loved it i had so much fun watching and it was a good length um yeah. <laughs> as, as somebody who's watched the bachelor before that isn't necessarily the case um though we'll see if it gets longer as the season yeah. goes on yeah i really liked the length i liked how um how it felt kind of like a little discreet unit um and it's interesting because this is a new show to kind of start getting a sense of what the format is um what like how they are like what the machinations of the show really are because it really is a whole performance right um 
And I just, I thought it was so fun how they play into and play up some of um, the kind of more performative aspects and um, really like make jokes about about how ridiculous this whole thing is, which I think mm-hmm. is like a big part of the appeal. <laughs> yeah, I, again, there's this very well handled so far sort of juxtaposition of the pomp and circumstance and the uh particularly the men but also i think um miss remy and her family who sort of been dropped into it yeah um so i'll we'll sort of talk through kind of what happened and we can stop and discuss any of the particular juicier moments but um so the show when it starts right we're introduced to nicole remy um and her family And they all show up wearing amazing outfits. I just wanted to note, um, her mom looks incredible. I think it's very interesting that um, she, or sorry, her sister, her friend, her parents are all in what I would say is like relatively appropriate Regency garb. I Um, noticed this too. And she is wearing a yellow gown with a deep V a billowing skirt it's not like it and and this continues like um her her sort of like princess looks and that's why Mm -hmm. i keep calling her a princess is because like i feel like they're really giving her princess looks as opposed to regency Mm -hmm. looks and it looks like in future episodes maybe she wears more regency Mm -hmm. type clothes but for these big balls and stuff it does seem like they're giving her um very modern looking yes uh, princess gowns well and i mean like obviously they have they're kind of inflected with a little bit of kind of regency term mm-hmm. like you know the the um the shade of yellow and the the floral appliques i think are meant to kind of evoke a little bit of mm-hmm. uh kind of a regency whimsy type thing but yeah later she wears this kind of off the shoulder uh red dress with a with a sweetheart neckline and I was just like oh my goodness I am scandalized (laughs) I mean and she looks great like she looks great no complaints and I think I think it achieves the effect especially when you start putting her in we'll get to this like when you put her in a ballroom full Mm -hmm. of a bunch of other people because they have like all these background dancers and background figures so all these other women in Regency dresses, she stands out. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, all of them are wearing, like, light uh, light colors, especially, like, kind of a cream, white, light pink. And she wears this, like, very vibrant red dress. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so... I think it's interesting that they're trying to do that in a way that's, like, by separating her from the historical period to a degree. Mm-hmm. She, she's a modern woman in this sort of old-timey setting um then we meet the host of the show who's mr edwards he is a british man that's all i can say about him i don't he, he's, i liked his commentary it was overall pretty funny um and we uh we find out from him that she has received letters from all of the suitors <laughs> and i loved this um, i did too Apparently, they'd gotten "quote unquote" calligraphy classes or something, and which, etiquette classes, <laughs> um, which is very funny because you then see their handwriting and it's like basic. Classes, <laughs> but I get it; a lot of people don't have good handwriting, um, so even well, if you're I loved, 
is that yeah. some of them apparently like chose to keep up calligraphy like they they discovered this new pandemic yes. hobby and they were like ah yes calligraphy this is my jam now this is my <laughs> sourdough starter this is my collecting house plants this is my knitting um I just I love that I love love a man with fancy cursive handwriting <laughs> um did you have any any favorite letters yes yeah, so um so they all read the letters together and the first one we get a good chunk of and the first one is from Mr. Cones is that right yes Mr. Mr. Cones I can't read my own handwriting on my notes so. <laughs> um Mr. Cones and I loved this letter. I thought it was very charming and funny. Um, sweet. Yeah, it was sweet. It, and it was basically this guy who basically was just like, hey, like, I'm looking for love. I'm looking for fun. Like, <laughs> all I remember is him sort of talking about, like, we're going to eat a bunch of food together. I'll bring the Tums. You can rub <laughs> my belly. I'll rub yours. And she, like, brings this up later when she yes. actually meets him. So, yes. obviously, it worked. Like, it was a charming letter, yes. and it made him stand out. And she told him, like, I was looking for you all night. Yes. And he has this great bit where he's, like, follow the scent of this cologne to the ballroom. So, he, like, sprayed the letter with some of his mm-hmm. cologne. Um, which, which is, like, I think could be, like, weird. But apparently, <laughs> it worked for her. And, like, you know, when they meet, she, like, sniffs his neck. Like, it's, it's a good, I thought it was a good sort of sexy move given that the rest of the letters seem to be kind of goofy. Yeah, though I will say, like, that that one line did make me think, like, oh, my God, how much cologne is this dude putting on? Like, hopefully it's, like, actually a nice cologne and he, like, is applying it delicately and someone, you know, one of the producers, like, pointed him out to her and it wasn't like, oh, I can smell you from across the ballroom. You smell like Axe Body Spray. <laughs> yeah, I I. Th- I assume that was it. Um, some of the other people we heard from in terms of the letters were Mr. Safa, who is a man with oh, long boy. blonde hair. <laughs> and he just seems kind of doofy, but uh, he's got kind of a broy, not like broy, a surfer bro, except he's from like Missouri. Yeah, but like crossed with Fabio, definite Fabio vibes there. He's um, our most Fabio. And he is, I think he's a model. So, you yeah. know, um, Mr. Lux who is an incredibly attractive attractive musician um he's gorgeous he is so good i mean he's by far the best looking guy i think um (laughs) but those frosted tips i will say (laughs) he makes makes the whole thing work there's like curls he's got this earring he just looks great um we get we hear from mr ward who is a former baseball player uh and mr I'm going to say his name wrong. Hold on. Let me let me look at it so I can make sure I'm even. Mr. Bakikio. I don't know. Is that right? Does that oh, sound right? Yeah, I think so. He's our Jersey boy. Or He's not our... Jersey boy. Staten Island boy. Right. He is. Um, and we don't know much about him at this point. All we get is we learn more about him later. At this point, we get his letter and his letters um, include a really awful rap. For oh god yeah no was... apparent reason um oh. well i had a thought as to the reason but that's maybe a unkind reading of his motives oh. <laughs> i don't know like it felt kind of like like is this like a racial thing um i don't know i feel like there's this thing about like white boys trying to seem cool by rapping badly though like mm-hmm. specifically being look how like 
aware I am that I'm a white boy trying to rap. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I don't like it. I don't think, especially if you're, like, trying to do it badly, like, it's just going to make everyone uncomfortable. Uh. <laughs> uh, so that that was him. And then we get uh, Captain Kim. And I loved him. <laughs> I also loved Captain Kim. He, to me, he just like looked like, I mean, so he, he is an, um, a Korean man. Um, he served in the army there. Um, he, or there, I can't remember what he said, but. I thought he was Korean American. But huh? Is he? I, oh, he might be, but he, his location on his bio oh, okay. is Seoul, Korea. Oh, okay. Um, I totally missed that. So, um. <laughs> And he, I don't know, he just, like, I just felt like he was giving me Jane Austen hero vibes. Like, he just, like, felt like he was really wearing that costume. It wasn't wearing yeah. him. Yeah. Um, he also said, and I mean, like, part of what he said got him in trouble later. Yes. He said, like, first off, she made her mother read this one, yes. which was, like, a mistake but at the same time like I don't know I to me it, it would have just been funny but like their agree, family but anyway. yeah obviously like her mom's a little more proper perhaps than like <laughs> my step is um sorry T. Uh, but um yeah he he writes like to my future best friend with sexual tension and I I, I thought it was loved, so cute I thought it was so cute and I love the like future best friend thing like I know this is like kind of a you know it's like a little bit of a stereotype obviously or like a trope but I feel like that is what your partner like what you're looking for is you want someone who like you can be friends with and like who is your person I don't know no I agree I I thought that was charming yeah, so I, I I was a fan of I was a fan of Captain Kim. Um, so then we also go to meeting the suitors. So this was sort of a montage of their letters, which was very cute. We saw them writing and clips of them sort of sitting places and their voiceover as they read the letter. <laughs> um, but then we get to them actually showing up at the castle and we meet a bunch more. And I, I'm not going to get all of them, but these are the ones I took note of. Um, the first one who turns up is a, he shows up on a horse. Um, some of them show up on horses. Some, some of them show up in carriages. I don't know if that was just determined by whether you could ride a horse, probably. <laughs> um, but the first one is Mr. Ekavaria. Uh, I already got Ekevaria. it wrong. Yeah, I think. Um, and he is... Just seems super sweet. He's very smiley. He's just a real cutie pie. Yeah, um, he's nice. I liked him. And then we get Mr. Uh, Shanklin, who sings, and it's really awkward. That was so awkward. So he is a, apparently, I think he's a musician, um, or at least he just sings. Voice, but, but yeah, yeah. It, it just awkward. felt very awkward. Um, we meet Mr. Mor. Mr. Morbury? Mobry. Mobry. Thank oh, you. Mr. Yeah, Mobry, who is British. Um, and he, he has a great line. He has a great line. He's asked if he's ever been in love before. And he says, no. Well, maybe with cake. <laughs> I loved that. I also, I mean, like, I I don't remember if we got his age or anything. Um, often that's kind of like a red flag. Um, but 
he also just seemed very sweet so maybe it was like I don't know maybe he's like a little awkward and doesn't like trying to go out and date Who knows? I think from what I remember from his bio is he's from a very small like village in England mm-hmm. and so I think he just hasn't had a lot of opportunity yeah. to meet people exactly he like did not seem like the type that we get on like other franchises or like you know other da- reality tv dating shows where like oh yeah I've never been in love I because I spend all of my time in the gym yeah. <laughs> I say that as someone who spends a lot of time in the gym. <laughs> uh we meet Mr. Chapman mm-hmm does that sound right? Man, this yeah. is, I need to, okay. Mr. That's Chapman, <laughs> who is very cute. Um, I thought he was a very handsome young man. Uh, but he, it, when he's asked if he has ever done any romantic gestures, he said that he um, sometimes takes girls for rides in his van. <laughs> and then he goes, wait, but not in a creepy way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then we meet Dr. Shanzer who we will hear more from soon, but he he makes an okay first impression. He says he wants love and adventure. Um, We also get some like scenes cut in of the men dancing um, and being asked if they have uh, like studied anything in terms of like Regency history. And they're like, no. So overall, like they seem like a fun bunch. Uh, there There weren't, other than the guy who sang, I think at the beginning, like there weren't any like clear duds to me. And maybe yeah. the guy who sang will grow on me, but he just that there were a few I and mean, then there were a few people who we just didn't really hear from. Yeah. And I will say, like, we did see in the preview for next week him singing again. And I but like to her this time. Oh boy, I'm not sure he's gonna grow on yeah. me. But we shall see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, so then they, the, the suitors all come in, they get to meet the parents, meet the court, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're told that the court will be choosing some of them for some of the dates tonight, Mm -hmm. um, that Miss Remy will go on. Um, and just to make, like, Miss Remy ends up going on two dates. She goes on a Mm -hmm. date with six guys and then a date with one guy, Mm -hmm. um, within the structure of the ball. Yes. And she chooses the date with the one guy right her her court chooses the larger the, the larger date. group right um and the 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 family they're sort of being asked like what are you looking for and they mm-hmm. sort of give the what you would expect the sort of like we're, we're looking for people who are here for the right reasons mm-hmm. um <laughs> the classic refrain yeah um, that's like legacy of the bachelor <laughs> yes uh, so then Miss Miss Remy comes in and makes an amazing entrance. I loved her entrance just because she walks in and again, she's in this, this is when she's in her like red dress that is just like, yes. makes her stand out from everybody. And she's, I mean, she looks gorgeous. She's like glowing and everyone is just smiling. It's like, <laughs> it's like they're all just kind of blown away by her. Um, and just yeah, I love stunned. I love seeing like. I like I I just I really appreciate that everyone seems excited to get to know her you know it's like obviously it's a new a new show but they're not like sometimes you'll get people who like very obviously are like eh, whatever or like are not are not there for the right reason um, <laughs> um 
Yeah. And I just love that, like, they all seemed genuinely excited. She's really, like, she's very accomplished. She has, like, a very, like, diverse background in terms of, like, what she has done with her life. Um, And she's she's, she's 26. She's 26. She's a uh, former cheerleader for the Seattle Seahawks. She's currently a coder for a some kind of app. Um, she, I think, is from Washington and went to school at USC. Um, so yeah, it's architecture. <laughs> yeah, she studied architecture. Um, interestingly, one of the other things I learned about her that they don't talk about on here is that she auditioned for um, a recent season of The Bachelor, and she was actually mm-hmm. cast on it, but then she didn't end up being on it. Oh, interesting. Um, so but I guess it worked out for her <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> um so she starts meeting some of these guys now um in person having read their letters mm-hmm. and I don't know if there are any that like really stuck out to you but um I think one of the ones that I noted down was uh Mr. Chapman who was sort of maybe one of the first guys she's introduced to um and he clearly is into her. He's he's kind of intense though. She's like, "What do you What are your intentions?" He's like, "I want to fall in love." And she's <laughs> like, "Are you ready for that?" He's like, "Yes, I want to fall in love." <laughs> he's very direct. Um, and she talks to Mister Safa Safa, and basically mm-hmm. he just talks about how his like the other guys are jealous of. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So there, this is something that like I did notice and she notices as well, at least with Mr. Ward. Um, though I think this really kind of applied to several of the men that um, she'll ask them questions and then they like always bring it back around to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was interesting that we're already seeing that so early. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Because they like supposedly took etiquette lessons and aren't like, isn't that something that they would have learned right in these etiquette lessons is to like always point out toward the other person. That's how you're supposed to end uh, each of your comments is by bringing it back to the other person. Yeah, um, I think, I think they're in a really interesting position because like part of the whole thing is they're like, they have to make an impression. So I feel like in yeah. a way they feel like they're auditioning. And so they have mm-hmm. to just like get in front of them, get in front of her and say, here's what's impressive about me. Mm-hmm. But the result is, yeah, like with Mr. Ward, she like, we hear her talking about herself for the first time and saying, talking about like, yeah, I, I like live in Washington. I code. And he's like, oh, wow, you code. And she's like, yeah. And he goes, anyway, so let me tell you about my like baseball career. Yes. And it's just, like, it's very obvious that he Mm -hmm. just, like, doesn't pick up what she is, like, putting down. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't ask anything about what she's working on Mm -hmm. at all. Um, What you were saying about, like, and, yeah, I think that that does kind of have to do, perhaps, with what you were saying about this feeling kind of like an audition to them. That they have to, like, you know, make an impression on her. Obviously, that did not make the right sort of impression. But you can see this happening even with, like... Uh, at one point, uh, she's trying to, we don't have kind of the the same setup that the the bachelor and bachelorette have where like the lead pulls people aside and they go off and like sit down in a quiet alcove or something and talk and then someone will come up and cut in, but they have to like find them because they're all kind of circling around in this ballroom. Mm-hmm. 
um, we see people just going up to her very easily. And it's kind of this awkward, like, small talk at a party kind of thing, where, like, Mr. Mumbre starts trying to talk to her. And then I think it's immediately Dr. Shanzer cuts in. No, it's it's, Um, it's Mr. Bakikio. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, Immediately he cuts in. And obviously that works out for Mr. Bakikio because he later gets picked to be on uh, the kind of little individual date. Um, But I felt so bad for Mr. Mumbray. Same. And Uh, obviously... He got he basically got out the word. He's like, I'm British. And then that was yeah. like it. <laughs> and she's like, Yes, I can tell from your accent. But but Mr. Edwards like also seems to be like, oops. <laughs> like he gives him a little voiceover. This is like, well, obviously that didn't work for him. <laughs> uh, Dr. Shanzer had a memorable introduction. He hands oh, yeah. her an apple and says, An apple a day, or he like reaches out an apple, like stretches that and hands it toward her. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. And then he pulls it back and says, unless you don't want to keep the doctor away. And she like kind of looks at him for a minute and she's like, oh, you're a doctor. And he's like, yeah. Um, And then he basically is just like, yeah, I'm a doctor. I was like talking to your mom. She's like also a doctor. And she's like, cool. Lots okay. of people seem to be doctors. Cool. <laughs> I think um, what's interesting with him, right, is... Uh, <laughs> And this goes to kind of like the self-presentation aspect of it and like appearances. Uh, we see her mother ask him like, oh, what sort of are you? And he says anesthesiologist. Um, and uh, something that we learned um, is that he's actually a plastic surgeon. Yeah. So he um, was an anesthesiologist and yeah. he has transitioned to aesthetic surgery, according yeah, to his online bio. But I thought it was interesting that it's like, he chooses to say like anesthesiologist rather mm-hmm. than plastic surgeon because I think that kind of comes especially like plastic surgeon in Florida mm-hmm. um, comes with a certain kind of uh, connotations right which may or may not be true as we later see yeah. with him so yeah so she does um, she does uh, talk to Mr. Bakikio as well when he interrupts Mr. Uh, Mowbray and that that is an interesting interaction because she is clearly vibing with him mm-hmm. um he's cute he's he's <laughs> cute he is cute but like he's not saying like it's there's not really any clear indication of why so there must be just like chemistry there mm-hmm. um so especially because later their date it also did not feel clear why <laughs> yeah um so those are some of the people she talks to um and then her uh court chooses six suitors for her to go on a fireside date with which basically means they all go sit next to a fire and drink some champagne or whatever and talk the six are mr safa mr lux uh dr shanzer mr ward captain kim and some other guy who i couldn't tell who it was it was one of the white guys maybe mr kessler he didn't say a word so i have no clue Mm -hmm. During this time, um, the doctor makes some kind of weird bad joke again about, I don't know, some dumb joke with his gloves. And yeah. uh, and then he brings up being a doctor again and how he can, like, talk to her mother because she's a doctor. Everyone's sort of, like... Totally falls flat. Yeah. No, no one's really into that. Um, and then she brings up the 
letter that she got that talked about um friend with sexual attention and uh which was captain kim captain kim sort of tries to explain gets a little bit flustered and then i think very in a very savvy way that i took note of you know Mm -hmm. is like but we really haven't heard from you very much like what like let's hear more about you like what what is your ideal like what are you looking for in a man like Mm -hmm. you know um and like i thought in a very notable way was (laughs) um yeah yeah he like redirects the conversation to like actually hear about her and I think we see this later he does the same thing later and several of the other men also kind of are very receptive not just to hearing from her but also to feedback from Mm -hmm. her which I thought was really great like in a way that we don't get as much from other dating shows you don't kind of get those conversations of like okay, so I'm interested in you, but this is what I need from you, right? Is something that, like, I think more healthy relationships should do, right? Yeah, I think it's good. Um, So, and we'll we'll talk about the whole farewell dance Mm -hmm. structure. Um, The only thing I wanted to touch on before that is then she does choose Mr. Bikichio for her one-on-one date. Or they probably don't call it that because that's a bachelor thing, but... um, they they have some sort of very nice setup outside in like a chaise uh, with again more more champagne and some more fruit or whatever and a view of the castle um, and they they're sort of talking a little bit and um, I actually this was the most charming I found him not because he was especially charming but because he got very tongue tied around her. And yes. seemed very nervous. And, like, it was mm-hmm. suddenly clear that he, like, really liked her. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, didn't really know what to say. And he was, like, there was this awkwardness to him mm-hmm. that I actually found more charming than when he was, like, trying to be confident, like, you know, mm-hmm. bursting in on somebody else's conversation. Um, yes. But, again, she really seemed to vibe with him. Uh, she talked about, like, his eye contact and how he, like, touched her hand and those things really standing out to her. And then fireworks come out, and it's beautiful, and they kiss. And he, there's a great moment, too, where you see him looking at her with these, like, classic soft eyes, like, romance <laughs> soft eyes of just, like, being like, wow, she's so pretty. <laughs> the interesting thing that, like, I felt about this, I mean, actually, there are really two things, one of which you've already mentioned, which is that, yeah, she tells him, like, these are the things that you did that, like, made you stand out to me, which I loved that we're getting that. Mm-hmm. Um Because, you know, otherwise it's like we're kind of left to guess a little bit in terms of like body language and things like that. Um, What made, especially because this is, you know, it's a shorter format show. Um, So it can be harder to guess, I think. Mm -hmm. But so I like that she did that um, as, you know, an audience member. But I think also like it's nice that she actually told him like what he did, what she liked about him. Um, But then. I think what you were saying about like him seem- seeming nervous and the most charming, we actually got in his kind of like uh, little interviews or like um, what The Bachelor calls like in the moments mm-hmm. um, where he's actually like talking to a producer about his reaction. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm like so nervous. And he tells her I'm so nervous. But we get more of that from him when he's talking to the producer. Yeah. Um, and if you were just to see the like the bits of their interaction I don't think it would necessarily be that obvious because yeah he's a little tongue-tied he doesn't really know what to what to say 
yeah, that that's a good point. Um, yeah, because he has that cute moment where he sort of like to the producer, right? It's like she's like, and then he just sort of stops and then does this like motion of swinging a baseball. Mm-hmm. It's like knockout. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then we get to the elimination ceremony procedure, which I think is a little. It's interesting, but I think it's um, a little underbaked because it was also yeah. confusing. <laughs> it was um, so confusing. <laughs> so it's the farewell dance. She chooses mm-hmm. six of the suitors. She dances with each of them and then sends three of them home. But she seems to send, like, she doesn't dance with them and then all and then send them home. Yeah, yeah she, she dances and then sort of decides at the end of the, each dance if she's sending them home or mm-hmm. not. Except um, for the last two, right? Yes, except the last two. But again, that wasn't entirely clear because of the way it was like edited and yeah, filmed. And I, I also think like part of what makes this awkward is she's supposed to be like talking to them during each of these dances. And as you'll know, if you've seen uh, some, you know, adaptations of Jane Austen novels, um, it's hard to talk during a dance, um, even if it's a dance that's like a one-on-one dance and not kind of the whole like round, right? Um, and so like at one point, I can't remember who this is with, they actually stop because he can't keep track of like what he's doing. Yeah, that's with Mr. Safa. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was so relatable to me. Yeah. I was like, I, I cannot... Um, I cannot actually imagine trying to talk and remember this dance that, like, they probably learned, like, I don't know, a week or two earlier in, like, some intensive dance lessons. Oh, my God. I, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we get in in the, the six that she writes on her dance card uh, are Mr. Lux who, again, is the very attractive one. We really didn't hear anything at all from him the entire time. He was just very attractive. Mr. Safa, Captain Kim, Mr. Ekavaria, Dr. Shanzer, and Mr. Ward. Um, So that's Mm -hmm. actually, interestingly, the exact same six from her uh, fireside date, except for the random white guy, whoever he was, (laughs) has been replaced with uh, Mr. Ekavaria. She, uh, and then basically it's funny because then all the other guys, all the other suitors get sent up to the balcony so they mm-hmm. can watch what's going on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Make sure everyone can see the drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so she dances first with uh, Mr. Lux and basically is like, obviously I'm attracted to you. You're super hot. <laughs> yeah, because he's super hot. Who wouldn't be attracted to him? She basically just says, like, show me you're more, flirt- like, be more flirtatious. Show me you're interested in me. Yeah. Um, he wants and- his personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, like, a bit of playfulness, because she seems, you know, she says multiple yeah. times, like, I like to laugh. Like, yeah. I dearly love to laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I do like her, the court, her family and stuff is watching, and they're like, they look good together. <laughs> yeah, like, they do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, then she dances with Captain Kim and basically says, like, the thing about, like, I'm into you, but the thing about uh, sexual tension threw me off. I need to know that you're, like, in this for love and not for, like, sexual reasons, I guess. Yeah. I mean, um, like, she does make the point, right? Like, 
you'd never met me. How do you yeah. know if we have sexual tension? And like, I get that. But at the same time, it's like, it's like, I, I also see where he was coming yeah. from, right? Like, he he is he's telling her what he's looking for, yeah. which is a best friend, but with sexual attention, right? Yeah. And so I think, like, I, I can see how she read it that way. But I also don't think that that's quite what he meant. Um, but yeah, they both seem really open to that, to that feedback. Mm-hmm. And I liked how receptive they each were to kind of hearing from her. It does make me think, though, that like she and Mr. and Dr not Dr. Um, She and Captain Kim are not perhaps a match just because they seem to be kind of on different pages. Um, Yeah. We'll we'll see. Um, But yeah, that that was interesting. I did appreciate he's basically said like, I'm not that great with words, but like, I'll show you whatever. And she's like, well, what I'm looking for is action. So yeah. Uh, She danced with Mr. Ward next. He was the, uh, the baseball, baseball player who uh, did not pick up on her conversation yeah. when she was talking about herself. Um, and basically she says that he doesn't seem serious enough. Um, yeah. And one thing that like she and several other, like I think her friend and her sister, like other members of her court noted is that like several people said, like, I wish he weren't, he didn't seem like he was putting on such a performance right yeah he's he's too much of a character yes he's too much of a character um which I think is interesting that that has not been rewarded given that I think oftentimes folks who are kind of a character will Mm -hmm. be kept around drama Mm -hmm. other shows um and also because this whole thing is such a performance (laughs) um so it's interesting that she doesn't want that perhaps because there's already enough of that going on yeah um I mean and it, it's it's also interesting just because like honestly like I don't think we saw enough of him to actually get that sense from him like I wasn't yeah. like that guy what a character mm-hmm. um <laughs> right. uh so the next one was really interesting uh which was Mr. Ekavaria I say his name every, different every time I'm so sorry me that name and and the Italian one are gonna get me every time um but basically, I thought that was interesting because she basically was like, you are a super nice guy. My family loves you. Like, you are charming. You're attractive. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. I just am not really feeling it. Like, yeah. you know, and, and she I was like, she was sort of tearing up when she was sort of mm-hmm. saying this because he was such a sweet guy. And when we cut yeah. to his sort of post-elimination interview, he is tearing up. Um, yeah. But he takes it, like, very much oh, in stride. Very much. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think I think that's so fair, though. And I appreciate mm-hmm. that she, act, like, she actually got the opportunity to give him that and to say, like, really, it's not you. You're wonderful. I just don't think that, like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. It's just not going to be us. And that's fine. Um, and I think that's, like, really, I mean, going back to the, like, question of modern dating, right? Like, that's something that we don't get that much, like, if someone ghosts you like that's like you kind of have to like feel that's the best case scenario is that like you're great but they just weren't feeling it and that's okay like that's what you kind of got to tell yourself right so I like that she told him that like outright yeah and so then we get down to the last two which is Dr. Shanzer and Mr. Safa um it sort of intercuts between her dancing with both of them telling 
Dr. Shanzer basically that he is, she appreciates confidence, but like he's maybe a little overconfident um, and that his humor is gimmicky and like he just doesn't feel very real to her, yeah. um, which I think is fair. Uh, yeah. And- also, when you say it that way, though, it's like, oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she says it in a much nicer way than I just said she it. Does. But, she uh, does. I, wrote, it I just wrote, he's arrogant and gimmicky. Um, mm-hmm. And to Mr. Safa, she basically says, like, I need you to be more vulnerable and serious mm-hmm. because he really hasn't revealed anything of himself. Yeah. Um, the the doctor, perhaps sensing that she is about to let him know his fate, uh, quotes Jane Austen <laughs> in a way that does not feel authentic. It feels more gimmicky. Yep. Um, and then in a truly just like, wow moment uh he gives her a rose quartz love stone that is supposed to help her with her decision making yeah it's supposed to like open her chakras yes he Um, did talk about chakras (laughs) yeah this was a lot (laughs) and it was great because everyone reacted yes Uh, well I mean, this does the exact thing that she is criticizing him for, which is, like, reveal how contrived he's being. Mm -hmm. Because, obviously, like, he brought this thing and he pulled it out at the last minute as a kind of, like, way to save himself. Mm -hmm. And so it's like he imagined that he was going to pull this out at a time when he needed to basically buy affection. And... It does not work. She sees right through it. Yes. <laughs> Good and, for her. <laughs> and I appreciate because he basically is, is like, no, like, think about it. Like, really think about it. And she's like, I know what I want. Like, I think she literally mm-hmm. says, like, I know what I want. Um, yes. Which is great. Like, I, I love, mm-hmm. I love her. I love her assertiveness. And she's like, no, I mm-hmm. know what I want. What is there? It's like, farewell. Your, your carriage is waiting. <laughs> um, yes. I loved that dismissal. Um, and but he... he Yes. yes, what does he come he does back not. with? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember exactly. He does not take this well. Oh, he says he says something like, you're making a mistake. You're making and a big mistake, yeah. Yeah, which I think that's such a weird, like, aside from just being, like, horribly rude and, like, God, what a dick. Um, I just find that to be such a bizarre way to, like, end because mm-hmm. obviously, like, past that point, like, does he think she's going to be like, oh, you know what? I saw that I was making a mistake. Now I'm going to call back this person who has been so horribly rude to me and who obviously like does not have any trust in my decision making. And you know what? I'm going to call him back and it's all going to go so well because it's not. There's not a way to recover after you have behaved that way. <laughs> no, it's a real... Uh... I don't know. It was just sort of this lashing out. In a way, he reminded me of somebody who, on a dating show, who had been in longer. And, Mm -hmm. like, you know, where it's... I feel like, you know, at that point when somebody's pride gets hurt, it's more of a rejection, right? Like, he just seemed like he was very invested, not really in her, but just in the idea of, like, being on the show. And so had his pride hurt in a way that I think the other guys were, like, pretty much... They were like, no, it's okay. Like, you know, obviously, I wish it wasn't like this, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so he says, I think you're making a big mistake. And her sister or her friend, I don't know, several people are sort of like, oh my God. They like pan up to the suitors in the balcony and they're all like wincing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so obviously she keeps Mr. Safa 
and there are now 13 remaining suitors. Which notably is so many fewer than yes. we have on like The Bachelor, for example. I know we keep comparing this to The Bachelor, but really like in the same way that we have been talking about like Jane Austen and about like romance novels and genre, right? Like mm-hmm. The Bachelor did kind of inaugurate this whole genre. So I think it's yes. fair that we keep going back to it. I mean, and I think this is in a way that like some other popular dating shows are not. Like this is a very direct, um, you know, it is very directly built off of the Bachelor model. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Changed, but it, it's mm-hmm. built, which is fine. I don't have any issue with that. Um, I like the innovations they've made. I think it's yes. very fun. Other um, than this dance thing, which is confusing as the dance thing is confusing i like the idea of the dance like i like Mm -hmm. the idea and the host says something that's sort of like again kind of this like pseudo historical justification yeah but i think it was like kind of interesting that was basically like Mm -hmm. you know in the regency era like a dance could be like the length of time you set with someone like that was Mm -hmm. how you got to know them um and so you had to make an impression in a dance yeah and so like, I, here's your here's your dance, your chance to do it. I really wish that they had kind of taken that and had it be the start so that she like filled up her dance card. Like they had to go up to them, up to her and introduce themselves and mm. so that she would fill out her dance card. Obviously, uh, that would be a big dance card, but then she could maybe like go in the order and like have her first conversation with each of them be during the dance right like I think that that would be perhaps a better starting move um definitely but I'd be asking too much dancing of her though that's true um but it could also be maybe the way that and I mean in the regency like the dance card yes it was something that like uh was attached to that young woman's wrist Mm -hmm. but her parents did kind of serve as gatekeepers. Like you, you actually do see this with Bridgerton and Mm -hmm. like um, her mother and her brother kind of like policing who gets to ask her to dance. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was actually pretty accurate. So um, that could have been a way perhaps for her court to have maybe like, maybe she gets like, four dances or something and they instead of having the like fireside chat they assign those four dances oh yeah um maybe, that could have worked maybe they'll do yeah. that in future episodes more dancing i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i think it'd be fun to see more dancing <laughs> i think i think there is something delightful about because these people are clearly not they're doing i think they do pretty well for people who clearly mm-hmm. just learned these moves yes recently i think uh Mr. Safa had a great quote where he described the dancing as the um, the whole two one two one spinnerooski. <laughs> yes, I love that spinnerooski was so such a great phrase. Um, all right, well, we've been talking a long time, so, uh, <laughs> but um, I think this was all super interesting. Yes, it was. Do you want to leave off really quickly by just saying like what we're looking forward to? Um, from next week's episode or from the rest of the season? Yeah. You know, I think I'm looking forward to seeing um, how, because it's clear from the preview for the rest of the season that, like, 
there's going to be sex. There's going to be kissing. There's going to be um, involving that. (laughs) Yeah. And like, so, so how is that sort of building into the, um, the premise? And like, I don't think that there needs to like not be sex (laughs) or like if she's caught with a man, she must marry him. But, um, but I just think it's like an interesting uh, sort of quandary of like, how do we have this sort of like modern dating show with sex positivity and continue this sort of Regency conceit. Um, So I'll, I'll just be curious to see how, how that goes. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I'm also curious to see that, but I'm curious to see how um, her family continues to kind of get incorporated. Yeah. Because here, you know, this week they obviously were introduced to the family right off the bat. And that was something that they kind of like made a, a little bit of a deal about um, because it's, it is different. Um, but I'm also curious to see if we get more of this kind of confidant aspect of her talking to her parents, talking to her sister and her best friend about like what they think of these suitors. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned, that's not something you get from a lot of shows in the same way. So I'll be really curious to see how else uh, her court gets incorporated. In- incorporated, sorry. <laughs> oh, you know it was coming <laughs> uh, yeah okay so thank you for listening um and, and join us next week yeah tune in next week we'll we'll be here talking some more can i leave you with my favorite quote of the show yes please um this came from the delightful mr cones um while talking to the sister and the friend of miss remy and he was basically talking about how awkward he feels there. And he said, where can I get a corn dog around here? <laughs> Hopefully, Mr. Uh, Cones will get a corn dog by next, next week. week. Mr. Cones um, will get a corn dog. <laughs> Join us next week to see whether Mr. Cones gets his corn dog. All right. Um, this has been universally acknowledged um we look forward to hearing your thoughts you can uh reach us on twitter or our uh show pages uh molly do you want to give your twitter handle yeah sure so my twitter is at mj curran k-e-r-a-n and mine is at chingon academic um which is uh c-h-i-n-g-o-n-a C A D E M I C. Kingona Kademic. All right. So we look forward to hearing your thoughts and tune in next week. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>